Welcome to the Watching World Podcast, a podcast of Abundant Life, whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus, and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I'm your host, Les Norman. Thanks for joining us today, and you are in for a treat. We're starting a series, not just a podcast, but a series called Sharing the Gospel in Post-Christian America. And we're joined today by two of my favorites, our lead pastor, Pastor Phil Hopper. Pastor Phil, good to see you as always. Great to see you, Les. Man, it's great to have awesome. you sitting on my left as always. I don't mm-hmm. know if I can have you on my right. I got to have you on my left. It's the way we're things creatures are. creatures of habit. Creatures of habit. Well, maybe I need to not be a creature of habit, but either way, as long as you got a microphone and we can hear you, I'm glad you're here, buddy. And on my right... Uh, our, our other guest, lay pastor at Abundant Life. He serves in apologetics as well as in the Paradigm Infusion Ministries, Ed Croteau. See, I pronounced it right today. Yes. Got it right. Yes. Thank you for your help on that. And Ed also leads a weekly Bible study, which is open to the community called FSE University. And we're going to talk about that uh, very thing today. Um, Ed is an engineer, a statistician, lives in Lee Summit with his bride, Joe, of 35 years. He has four children and we're excited to talk about two things today as we kick off this series. Love the title, Ed. Great series. Um, but we're going to start with Pastor Phil. Later on, we're going to find out about FSE University, what it stand, stands for, what it's all about. But the big key that I think is going to perk everybody's ears, and Pastor Phil, you get this question. The easy ones, right? You always get the easy ones, all right? Why is knowing what you believe and why you believe it so crucial in America today? Unless I'm going to defer right away. <laughs> Kidding. <Yeah. laughs> I'm glad I tell you... people, you know, uh, between Ed and I, we know everything and anything I don't know, Ed does. So there you go. It's Ed's good the, to have Ed, that support. Ed, Ed is the go-to. <laughs> all right. Uh, why is it important that we know what we believe in? Why? Well, it's always been important. Unfortunately, I think now it's more important because Christianity is not mainstream in American culture anymore. We are historically a Judeo-Christian culture, meaning uh, the worldview of most Americans has always been built on that biblical framework. Uh, We are increasingly seeing the secularization of America, which means we have to position ourselves increasingly like, I would say, the Apostle Paul on Mars Hill. When he went to share the gospel with Jews, he did it differently than when he went to share the gospel with pagans, with Greeks. Uh, with the Jews, he would immediately appeal to Scripture. They had that biblical worldview, that framework that we know as the Old Testament. It was their authority. and He was able to appeal to the Scriptures to prove Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish prophecies related to a Jewish Messiah. But if he was to take uh, the Jewish Scriptures into Athens, as he walked into Athens, a very strategic center, a very strategic place in the ancient world to take the gospel, uh, it, it was a city that was known for education and institutions of higher learning. It was the, the city, for example, Plato and Aristotle. And so there's this, there's this city uh, positioned as a place of reason and rationale. He could not appeal immediately to the scriptures there. Uh, they don't have any belief system in the Jewish scriptures. It would have meant nothing. And so what did he do? He, he positioned himself a little differently with reason in rationale. He appealed specifically to Greek philosophers and to an icon of Athens, which was a monument to an unknown God. So he began to build a bridge uh, for the gospel using uh, what amounted to secular 
illustrations and images. And so it's it's more important than ever that we understand that we are living in a post-Christian era in America. And consequently, we're trying to share the gospel with people who just don't believe the Bible. Uh, and and we have got to share reasons for them to believe because they're not going to blindly believe. And of course, Christianity has never been built on blind belief, just blindly believe. It's not blind faith, Les. This is what I love about our faith. It's unique from every other belief system, religious system in the world, right. is it's not blind belief. It's faith that is built on rational evidences of the faith. It's built on sound reason. And that's what I love about what Ed is doing with FSC University, faith, substance, and evidence. He is teaching people how to reason and use sound, plausible, logical, historical evidences for the faith in this post-Christian era. It's more important than ever. You know, one of the things I love, Ed, about your teaching is that, and and I'm going to ask you about FSC University here in just a second, but one of the things I love about your teaching, it's obvious you know God's Word and you're a pretty intelligent dude. I mean, you're you're a smart guy, but listening to you teach it doesn't make me feel like I'm, okay, this whole thing is just blowing my mind. It's it's practical. It's real. It obviously is 100% rooted biblically, but you challenge me to think critically, to reason through it, and to not be overwhelmed or intimidated by maybe what I don't know, it, it literally enlightens me. It opens my eyes to, oh, that makes sense. I understand that. And so I'll leave you with this. First Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I remember a long time ago as an early believer reading that verse and being scared to death. Okay, wait a minute. I've got to talk about this too. I've I've got this faith in Jesus, and I'm a Christian, and I'm a believer, a born-again believer now, but now I'm supposed to talk about it? I don't think I'm ready for that. But but over the years, you learn. But again, um, the, the way you teach it is almost as important as what you are teaching. Nothing can hold a candle to what? The substance of of biblical teaching. So, um, Ed, thanks for being here. And tell us, what is FSE University? Uh, I'm going to start for a minute with that verse. Um, What everybody seems to get wrong in the apologetics ministry is when you ask them to explain 1 Peter 3.15. They'll miss the first five words and they'll say, always be ready to give a defense. But that's not what the verse says. All right, so Peter, when he, when he wrote this, this is a terrible time. In Rome, you've got Nero. I mean, persecution's unbelievable. And he's trying to tell a group of Christians that here's what you need to be able to do. You need to personally be able to share why you're in love with Jesus Christ, why he's the most important thing in your life. But he starts the verse by saying, sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. So you, you're going to be terrible at apologetics or trying to explain your faith. If Jesus Christ isn't the Lord and Savior of your life, it's not worth it. That's right. Nobody's interested in arguments. People want to know why you live and do things the way you do. And so what I always like to tell people is it's because of my dad. It's because of the person who saved me. And it's Jesus Christ in understanding him. So that's the first critical thing about apologetics. It has nothing to do with learning all this stuff. It has to do with who's your real Lord, who's in charge, right? That's good. That's, that's, good. that's a big deal. That is a big deal. FSC University, the literal acronyms FSC are meant to point to Hebrews 11.1, faith, substance, and evidence. 
So it's all about that verse. And that verse literally says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now put those two together. In the Greek, substance is two words, hypostasis. And what it means is literally the ground on which is under you, that you stand on. It's understanding. So faith is understanding those things that are invisible that you can't see. And the evidence then that comes from this invisible God that makes him real, that's your faith. You literally are in love with him. You literally are fidelity in fidelity to him. So that's what we teach. We call it a university because quite honestly, you got to think. It's not about feelings and emotions. When Paul talks about renewing your mind, you really got to stop a minute and think these things through. In church, uh, I have yet from most believers to get an answer that I think is the right answer to this. And I, and I did it in class last week. I asked the class, I said, why are you a Christian? Remember? I, oh, I, yeah. And I was there <laughs> and I sat there. I, I sat there. Yeah, I'm just going to jump on Ed's shoulders and wait for everybody else to share that because I know he's looking for something specific. Yeah. And everybody's like, be, you know, they're, they're trying to and they're saying, well, because God loves me or because he saved me or because, you know, one person, remember, they said, well, I grew up in a Christian family. Mm -hmm. And I, then I gave the answer. I said, I'm a Christian because it's true. Mm. It's true. I don't want to follow something that makes me feel good and is wrong. Right. So first of all, you have to settle in your heart. Is it true? Once you get that set, you are a force in God's hands to use you in, in a secular world. So here's a question, and either one of you can take this question, okay? But, and, and I wrote this down specifically, because in preparing for this, I write questions that fit the material, but then there's that part of me I want to know, okay? Have Christians in our culture today retreated into a safe world? Well, I would say emphatically yes. <laughs> I mean, I think we are where we are as a nation because the churches were the churches in this nation. We, we've, we haven't been the salt of society, Jesus said to be. We haven't been the light of the world. Uh, it's a subculture. Christianity is never meant to be a subculture that's just kind of separated from the culture. And the culture has drifted so far from any sort of biblical worldview because I'm convinced Christians have increasingly isolated themselves. They have not, 1 Peter 3.15, sanctified the Lord God in their hearts. Uh, if, if, if we have, then we have no choice but to always be looking for the one. And that's the vernacular we're using these days at Abundant Life. We're always to be looking for the one, the one who needs Jesus, the one God sends into our life, the one that he allows us to intersect that we can share the gospel with. Uh, if, if Christians were as quick to share the gospel as they are their opinions, uh, we would see a harvest of souls unprecedented in history. I can't even imagine. I mean, seriously, <laughs> really. Yeah. It's not that we're not willing to talk about a lot of different things and share our opinions about a lot of different matters. We're just not quick to share the gospel. And as Ed said, it is never really a matter of the intellect. You know, defending the faith apologetics is never about um, just having enough uh, facts in our head that we can somehow win an argument. And no, it's always been about shaping the heart and uh, letting Jesus rule in our hearts. And then we'll be ready to share Jesus with those who need him. 
and have intelligent conversations uh, about why we can truly trust him. Because as Ed said, it is true. Yeah. It, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, the reasons rationally, logically, historically, that we can say emphatically Christianity is true. But a lot of Christians can't begin to really build a conversation in that way. You know, in the, in the Acts 4 church, and Ed, you, you, you led to this before, during this time of the early church, there was some serious persecution. I mean, it wasn't about, you know, labels and political correctness and people just pointing a finger at you. It was death. Yeah. I mean, you, and, and it wasn't just death. It was torturous death. It was horrible death for being a Christian. So you've got Peter and John in Acts 4 who are, are preaching the gospel, and they're brought in before the brass, and the brass tells them, look, you need to stop saying the name of Jesus. And then they let him go. And then what did they do? They went out and might have even said it louder, if possible. And you talk about that kind of persecution, and it seems like we're in a culture where persecution just gets worse and worse and worse. Are we being like Peter and James and mentioning the word louder, but truth and love, not just to, to you know, cause issue, but it just seems like we're being told you, you shouldn't do that or that's not right, and then we're being quiet instead of sharing our faith is one of those reasons, Ed, because we don't know. As Christians as a whole, we don't know. I, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm going to keep going back to this point over and over again. When you took that example out of Acts, there's a verse right after that where they, they get their own answer just by observing uh, what Peter and John are doing. And here's what they said. The Pharisees and the Sadducees looked at them and realized they were bold in their faith. They were untrained men. And then it says, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to memorize verses and then recite things that Phil sends us out to go share and not know who Jesus Christ is. That's right. That's a so great point. You That's start a great point. At the, you ground yourself at the beginning and you say to yourself, do I really, really look at him as my Lord and Savior? Yeah. Now, I, sh- I, I challenge people. There's four questions Jesus asks in the Gospels. Listen to these questions and how you answer them will determine where you're at. The first one was in John 11, where he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he'll live. Whoever lives and believes shall never die. Do you believe this? It's a direct question. The next one's in Matthew. Who do you say that I am? The next one is back in John. Will you lay down your life for my sake? (laughs) And the fourth one in John again, do you love me? So I wouldn't say, don't even worry about apologetics. Go to these questions and, and examine yourself. Where are you with so Jesus good, Christ? That, that is. is so good. Answering those four questions will really reflect our heart's condition. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that you said too, Ed, was when if Pastor Phil on Sunday gives a verse and then you take the verse and go out there, and we've talked about this, you, you, you share the verse but this isn't the church of Pastor Phil. It's not the church of Ed or Les. This is the church of God. This is Jesus's church. So why don't we get to know the very foundation of the church instead of just bouncing it off and passing it as, as something else? I mean, it's good to share verses in Scripture. Don't get me wrong, but Ed, I love your point. It's getting to know the Savior 
and answering those questions. This is, this is what offends people. It doesn't offend people that we say God loves you. There's a lot of them out there saying the same thing. Now, when you say there's some Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago who died on a cross and resurrected, and he's the exclusive way for you to have eternal life, that's a problem. And that's, that's the culture we're in. They don't like hearing that kind of an offense. Yeah, and you know, that's nothing new, though. I mean, the reality is, uh, in the early days, and you, you mentioned Nero, the Roman persecution was intense and it was fierce. But in the early days, guess who persecuted the church far more than the Romans? The Jews. The Jews. It was the synagogues in those cities that persecuted Paul and the other apostles the harshest, and they would be the ones that would stir up the Roman officials in against them. And here's the point. It was religious people that were deeply offended by the message that Jesus is the one. In fact, Peter would write in his epistle that the rock, the one we know as Jesus, is a stone of stumbling to the Jews. And he is still a stone of stumbling to those who don't properly answer that question uh, one of those four, who do you say that I am? Everybody's perfectly fine saying Jesus was a rabbi. He was a spiritual teacher. He was a great man, a great spiritual leader. But the moment you call him the Messiah, the anointed one, that he truly was God who became a man to become our sacrificial lamb, well, that's when it's offensive. But but again, I think it's important to remember this is not that really anything new. We're we're living in a post-Christian era, so we get to live now like virtually every other Christian and every other generation before us. And guess what? Upon this rock, Jesus said, he'd build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. 2,000 years has not been able to stop the advancement of the gospel in the face of intense persecution. I think it's time for Christians in general, all of us, let's get over the fact that we've lost home field advantage what we believe is no longer mainstream, and let's celebrate the fact that we are increasingly going to live in a space and a place like Christians before us where what we believe isn't popular, and in some way it may cost us soft persecution. I say soft persecution because nobody's going to drag us into a concentration camp right. for being a Christian. Uh, no, nobody is going to literally nail us to a cross for being a Christian. And so, um, you know, I, I think we should celebrate that maybe we get to live just a little bit. I mean, a little bit like those that came before us. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It, it is a, a celebration. And I think what you're alluding to there, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the time to panic is never. There's no reason to panic. They didn't panic back then, and that was severe persecution. Mm -hmm. And as you say, soft persecution, if they're not going to panic in that kind of persecution. There's no reason to panic in this kind of persecution. And it leads me right back, Ed, to the point where you said they knew that those two men, Peter and John, they knew that they had been with Jesus. That's right. They knew the truth. So, so you know, when you read in the Old Testament and, and it's a continual message, it's a good message, fear God. And you see in the New Testament. But then whenever you see a verse where God says, fear not, it should strike something in you, and you should stop a minute and go, I wonder, how does that happen? How I'm supposed to fear, but now God tells me fear not. And it's always connected with one phrase, for I am with you. <laughs> so what he's saying, and we forget this, is that 
the, uh, the verse in Colossians that tries to help us after the cross to understand, it says there's a mystery that was hidden in the Old Testament, but has now been revealed to the saints. And then Paul just tells what the mystery is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what he's saying is what they didn't have back then that you have now is the creator of the universe now lives in you and now guides you. So what, don't be, what are you afraid of? He literally is in you, giving you and asking you to let him manage your life. And I think we don't believe it. I think literally that's our problem in Christianity. We don't believe that this creator actually invades and lives within our heart and wants to be the Lord to direct how we live. That's good. Um, I think, too, at least in some of my experiences, and I'll let either one of you expound on this, but it's almost like I, I've come across some believers who just, well, I don't want to make anybody mad, or I can't handle it if I offend someone and someone's going to be mad at me. That is not how Jesus walked. That's not what he preached. It's not how he lived. As a matter of fact, um, I mean, there's a, Jesus didn't turn over the tables in the temple just because he was having a bad day. I mean, he, he made people mad. He frustrated people, but he still loved them anyway. And so I think we need to understand the goal in sharing our faith isn't to push people away, make people mad, but we also shouldn't fear any persecution or someone doesn't disagree with us. I, I got to add to that. They do quick. disagree with us. And I'll say this to, to you, Les, and I'm sure Phil can answer this too. But um, if you're at a party or you're in a group and someone says something about your wife that offends you, do you look at her and say, I, I don't really want to correct him or say anything because I don't, I don't want to make any waves or cause any problems, right? No, what you do, I know what you do, right? And there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. It's because you've made a decision that that person is now one with you and it's the, it's the source of your life. Right. I don't understand why we have no difference when we think of Jesus Christ. Why is he not one that we're so zealous for? We would say, excuse me, what did you say about him? Help me understand your point of view because it makes no sense to me when you degrade him or talk about him that way. So that tells me we're not in love with him. Yeah. Ed, you mentioned the fear of God. It comes down to whom you will fear. If you, if you truly live in the fear of the Lord, you will fear no man. Right. If you live in the fear of man, it's because you don't fear the Lord. And so as you sanctify the Lord... God in your hearts, you start living in the fear of the Lord, meaning he is preeminent. Uh, you, you are pursuing him above all others, which means uh, you may be hated by men and loved by God, but you'd rather be loved by God and hated by men. And so the, you know, the goal is not to be as offensive as we can, obnoxious as we can. I don't think most of the time people are offended by our message as much as sometimes they're just offended by um, our, our delivery. You know, uh, you know, we oftentimes, right. our speech, you know, the Bible says should be, you know, let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt. And sometimes our speech is full of salt seasoned with grace. That makes sense? <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. We have the right position, horrible disposition. Uh, so, you know, my experience personally has been where, you know, people may be offended by the message. It alone is offensive, but sometimes the problem is that we're just offensive. You know, I'll never forget my, my mentor, Leo Humphrey, 
who was a street preacher. He was a missionary evangelist, met him my first trip to El Salvador. And uh, he was a Cajun. And, and he would go out during Mardi Gras on the streets and he, sharing his faith with prostitutes and pimps and uh, just a unique man as he lived his life to find the one and found many along the way. And he would go, he said for a while, he'd go with another guy, a friend of his, and he'd get up there and start preaching. And he'd just be calling them all kinds of names. I mean, horrible names, things I'm not even going to repeat, but you know, uh, a bunch of prostitutes and all the derogatory names and homosexuals that, you know, you can imagine the names and, the, you know, they start throwing beer on him and throwing urine on him. And he really thought he was being persecuted for Jesus. And I remember Leo saying he wasn't being persecuted for Jesus. He's being persecuted for being a jerk. There's yeah. a big difference. <laughs> yeah. And Leo said, and then I get up there and I just start telling him, hey, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That means you. Jesus came for you. He loved you so much. And uh, you know what? He never, he said, I never got anything thrown on me. Oh, you know, what was the difference? Well, the, the difference is obvious. And so uh, I, I think that sometimes we brought a lot of it on ourselves, and, uh, and sometimes we don't. But I think it's, remember, we're not in apologetics. First Peter 3.15 is not about learning how to win an argument. Right. Absolutely. It's always about winning a heart. Mm -hmm. So so what we can do also with this is say, you know, there are things we can learn from the secular progressive culture. We listen to some of the things that are said that are obviously lies, but when we look at the people saying it, they really believe it. Right? They're there's they're not out there trying to get a new car or a bigger house or something. A lot of these people have actually grown up with a worldview they believe it. And the thing that they do is they're willing to get out there and say it. They're willing to step up and say it. The problem is it's not true. On our side, we need to take that lesson and say, if we really think Christianity is true, why aren't we saying it? Get out there and say it. And so I don't want people to feel like this is some kind of a browbeat session where, you know, you need to go do it. Jesus and Matthew said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So what I would say to everybody is relax. It's okay. This is where things are catching up on us now in this culture. And some people are like, oh, what do I do? Take a deep breath. Go back to the Bible. Come to the class. There are things you're going to learn and you're going to realize, son of a gun, it's not about winning an argument. You know, it's about transforming my heart. It's about me and my relationship with Christ. Out of that will naturally come uh, tools and a desire to share. So you mentioned the class. Okay. Tell us about the class, FSC University, where they can go to find out more information, any pertinent info. Yeah. This class, first of all, Phil backed this class 18 years ago. We have had this class in this church. This class today, it's in the core. It's in the, the bottom uh, basement area, one of the classrooms in there. It's 930 on Sundays to 11. There's a website, very simple fse.life that you can go to. And on there is all the materials and everything. Uh, we do this kind of thing with podcasts. Um, it's, it's a program that's a ministry of abundant life to reach out in the community and to help Christians know what they believe. So that's, 
I would, I would say, come to the class, just pop in. Don't worry about it. And just experience it and see if it's something that could be helpful. I have a 19 year old son, loves it, <laughs> loves it. Seriously, it's right up his alley. And he's kind of a, a shyer guy. He's bold in his faith when presented with situations like that in love, but yet he's still a little bit shy. But he he is so unbelievably excited. And we're like fighting back and forth with the book, just looking in the book, like, no, I got to read it. No, I got to read it. I got to read it. So, yeah, it's, it's outstanding. And so um, if any of you, again, want to find out more, uh, please go to the website or you can also go to uh, livingproof.co to check out all information about Abundant Life. So uh, we're going to continue this series of uh, sharing the gospel in post-Christian America. Next week uh, will be episode two, Why Can We Trust Our New Testament? I, I read this list. See, I have the advantage of seeing all these in advance. You, the listener, doesn't get to, but I get to see all these in advance. So I just get to wait with wonder and expectation about what's coming. Plus, I have a copy of the book and I've been to class. So I highly recommend pop in 930 on a Sunday. You can go to the 8 o'clock service or the 11 o'clock service, but uh, come at 930 and check it out in the basement of the core at Abundant Life in Lee Summit. Uh, make sure you go, Ed. Um, my my lay pastor at Abundant Life. Thank you, man. I, I'm I'm loving this ride. Love it, buddy. Thanks. I may I may just make up another <laughs> series after this series just to ha have an excuse to come back in. But uh, I absolutely love it. And seriously, thank you for all you do. I mean, you're you know this isn't your profession, but it's what you do. Yeah, I think we gotta also we we do this a lot. Sometimes I think um, I don't want to make Phil feel uncomfortable, but when we started this, remember. We sat down and talked about how can we help our, our church, our flock, start learning and developing how we, what you believe. This is rare. Pastors aren't normally very attractive to this word apologetics, but we've been able to work together and craft it into something that's evangelistic, that speaks directly to the culture. Yeah. Ed, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for your faithfulness these many years, your faithfulness and friendship. Christian fellowship, partnership in the ministry. I'm so excited about what we're doing less to get the word out there more and more about FSC University. And you know, the reality is if we want to find the one and be effective sharing our faith in this post-Christian era, then we're going to have to learn how to use reason. And that's what Paul did on Mars Hill. He was using reason to build a bridge to the gospel, to pagan people who did not believe the Holy Scriptures. And we have reasons to believe and those are the reasons uh, that I believe what I believe less. And I'm so thankful for Ed helping others sanctify the Lord God in their hearts as well. Well, I'm thankful for both of you. And if you're listening to this, uh, I, I, I think I know what you're thinking. I can't wait until the next one. So join us next time for Why We Can Trust Our New Testament. For Ed Croteau and for lead pastor Phil Hopper, I'm Les Norman. Thanks for joining us on the Watching World Podcast. <laughs>